Blog Talk Radio. Greetings, greetings, Alaska, greetings, come on in, welcome, come on in, all the suggestions, all the Thank you. 
of revolutionary hoodoo, New Orleans voodoo, secrets and recipes, all is truly and indeed a blessing, divine all blessed peace and love, joy and prosperity, elevation, revelations and manifestation. You are listening live and always in archive at your leisure to the divine prayer. Pan-African spiritualist, practitioner, author, and advisor, Elagun Oloye Hudu Obea Okur, sharing with you in all things spiritual, mystical, metaphysical, cosmic, evolutionary, revolutionary, healing, and holistic from a pan African Hudu world spiritualist perspective. Understanding that all is truly and indeed a blessing. You can just see beyond the veil. For it is all just an illusion and a test and one of the greatest divine mysteries of this life cycle. This is my constant prayer, my mantra, affirmation, reverberation, reiteration, and it is my ever-living reality. It is crucial to my very inner standing, my being, my walk, my works along this divine all-blessed life and journey. It is how I, the Divine Prince, make sense out of all that we're challenged with here in our daily existence on Mother Father Earth. And it is my personal place of power and understanding. The place from where I begin, the place from where I realize and crystallize all my endeavors, understanding that I and alone create and co-create my divine destiny. And I and I alone create and co-create my divine, all-blessed reality. And so it is. Ashe. <laughs> Today is Monday, May 4th, 2020. And I am emanating, vibrating with you and for you. Live, virtually, verbally, constantly, quantum, universally from this working temple of the House of the Divine Prince, High Potions. Hoodoo Central, LLC, in this legendary, historic, beautiful, and most enchanted city in America, New Orleans, Louisiana, the land of my ancestors and those who came before me on this Hoodoo Obeya life path and journey. Passing down the great Obeya thick, along with, along with the knowledge of the life-giving healing herbs, roots, plants, rituals, spirits, minerals, Indeed, the legacy, the culture, and tradition that is Obeya, that is Hoodoo, that is Voodoo, that is root work, and that is indeed conjure. This belongs to us. Understand, this belongs to me, and this belongs to us, to us. We no longer live and exist in a time where we have to be reliant on someone else to impose an idea, to impose a belief, to impose a religion upon us. More so than maybe any other time in modern history, we have an opportunity right now 
in this divine moment to exercise our power to choose. To choose. Every time I recite my mantra, every time I reverberate and reiterate my mantra, all is a blessing, I stand in my right to choose. My right to choose. I choose. I choose. Not the weather, not you, not the enemy, not the haters. I choose my reality. I create and recreate my reality. And gods and goddesses understand this. I I say understanding. It's one thing to understand something from an intellectual perspective, from a rational perspective, from a material perspective, what's written on the paper before you. But it's a whole nother thing to take that information out of the book, out of the textbook, out of the mouths of the professors and the instructors and the teachers, and then implement that, apply that in a way that it shows up in your demonstration. And for my new listeners, the demonstration is about what you know, what you understand, what you believe, what you've been taught, what you've experienced, the role you've watched. And, and all of that shows up like a brilliant crystal in your demonstration. I remember back in the, the old Jerry Springer days, and, and one of the most common responses that you would get from, from the stage was, you don't know me, you don't know me, you don't know me. Beloved, I don't need to know you. I don't need to know every individual person and personality on the planet. But our demonstration reveals what we know, reveals what we understand. And and it transcends language. It, It transcends racial barriers. It transcends cultural barriers. There is an absolute and truth that can't be diluted, that can't be damaged, that can't be watered down, that can't be talked against. You know, the idea, even the magical book says we would come to to a time. It's often referred to as the last days. But I have my own understanding about what the last days is. Uh, but it often says that, and, and it's discussed that um, the truth will become the lie. The lie will become the truth. You know, up will become down, and down would become up. But understand, this is a matter of choosing reality. This is a matter of choosing reality. We can either exist in fear. We can exist under the anxiety of, of, of the supposed calamity, of the apparent challenge, or we can choose to be co-creative. First, in your own experience, your own existence, your own reality, your own feeling about right now. And that's part of the challenge. Live in the right now. Live in the right now. Often our feelings will take us into the past or into the future. But living the right now, we can't fix, adjust, change, tweak the past in a relative sense. 
we can only now affect the future. We can only now affect the path that we establish from this moment moving forward. So be true, be authentic about your journey, authentic about your walk. This is a reoccurring story uh, in, in social media, in, in these circles of, of psychics and spiritualists and, and witches and 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 Ifa priests and babalaos and and root workers and and conjurers, this is a reoccurring story. And those who know me, those who really really know me, can respect my degree of uh, character and my degree of of sermon, because they understand what I don't just broadcast out there to you. You know, I, I've never been that kind of platform. This has never been the, the boxing platform. This has never been the platform where I went after other people, places, things directly um, and, and challenged their validity to be alive. This has always been the platform of truth and, and providing a way for people to see and understand and, and take in the truth and then discern for yourself. Then go back out and, and, and make sense of the, the variety of performers and, and uh, representatives. I'm being diplomatic right now for ATR that are present today. Listen for the meat. I say this all the time. When I go to the, to the buffet, which is rare, um, before Corona, me going to a buffet was rare. But, but if I'm at the buffet, I'm at the event, I'm at the party, and it's a whole lot to eat, and all the way down to your dessert table. It's a whole lot to eat. It's a whole lot to take in. First, visually, and if the food is any good, you know, or, or factually, you're going to smell, you know, and then it gets in you, and then you decide, and you pick, and you choose. And we don't always choose what looks the best, perhaps. You know, those sweet things ain't for everybody. You know, those starches and carbohydrates ain't for everybody. You know, we pick according to our diet. We pick according to our need. But then we pick according to what we know and what we understand and where we are. And so when we don't build relationships with each other, with these systems, with these practices, it's easy to take a detour. It's easy to fall off, whether you're the seeker or, or the person who, who believes themselves to be qualified to give, to practice. And in the world of energy, it's more than a notion. It's more than a notion. It's not, it's not something that I wish on anybody. I, I say this at least once a week. I don't wish ministry, because this is ministry on anybody. And if you see yourself operating as a practitioner in ATR and you don't equate it with ministry, you're already under the delusion of what this is and how this works and why we're here. I want to greet everyone, Sterling, Miller, One Wapani, greetings, beloved, Stephanie, Seawell. Thank you so much, uh, Crystal and Martin, for taking the time out of your day. Tasha, Taste with Tasha, thank you so much for being a part of this live broadcast, I do invite you to use my live listening and calling number at area code 
there are any problems, technical issues, complications on the uh, Blog Talk radio line, please let me know. Someone inform me and let me know how that's, how that's coming along. When you are ready with your question, comment, or request, do press the number one on your telephone keypad, and I'll be more than happy to unmute your mic and bring you into this conversation. You can always type your questions and comments, of course, whether you're in Facebook or YouTube or uh, uh, Periscope or, or, or StreamYard, type your questions, comments, and requests in all capital letters. It makes it much easier for both Keona and myself to see them and decipher them and, and then be able to respond to you. I, I also greet the day, the new day, for indeed, this is a new day. If, if you don't already know, if you haven't yet woken up, if you aren't woke, if you don't stay woke, I'm here to tell you, knock, knock, knock. It's a new day. It's a new reality. It's a new world. There is no going back to what we think we know. There is no going back to what we think we understand. There is no going back to what we thought we enter. And in that, it's a new day and a new opportunity to choose to choose to be to be that which is in your best interest, to be that which is most healing, most beneficial, most empowering, most in line with your destiny, most in line with your future. Because the future comes, you know, in the blink of an eye. It, it really does. Before we know it, we won't be on the, uh, uh, we won't be back where we were. We'll, we'll be on the new side of where we are now. And time will pass. I look at the clock. Many of you know I look at the clock in the calendar every day. And I count back 14 days. I count back 16 days. And, and now I'm looking at whole months, you know, going by of limited to no movement. Uh, a month ago, it was, it was uh, April 4th, a month ago, you know. I was just past my oldest sister's birthday and, and waiting on my youngest baby sister's birthday. And it was a whole month ago. And we were here and we were healthy and we were positive and we weren't quite sure what to do. And some of you aren't quite sure what to do today, but you survived it. And, and we're here. And so we must acknowledge the ancestors always in which we have our very being, our very standing our front line of defense in all things is indeed our ancestors. But we also give knowledge to the guardian of the crossroads. Some of you know and uh, divine trickster. Eshu Alek Wana Kosi Wari Awo Unlo Utu Mi Iwo Ada Afambo Osi Obatala Mi Itani Ebo Onilio Abaneshu. Eshu is the respected elder who flaws, confronts, uncovers, fools. That one versed in mysteries uses truth to own you. He causes scatter to feed poverty. Obatala shakes rascals to have sacrifice. The owner of warnings is the one who is Eshu, Aboru, Aboye, Aboshishe. And so we know and understand 
issue, not to be some frightful trickster, not to be out to trip you up and, and cross up your roads. But, but as I say often, if not every day, the trick is ego. The trick is ego. Eshu is a respected elder who flaws, confronts, and uncovers fools. Fools. That one versed in mysteries. He's versed in the mysteries. He understands the mysteries before you even encounter the mysteries. And he uses truth to own truth. Not the trick, truth. And so it's when we think we know the truth, when we think we understand the truth, understand it and now we're applying the truth that often we fall into ego that often we close off our ears and our eyes and our mouths and our ability to receive at the crossroads of truth to understand truth truth has that relative aspect that's always in motion that's always changing truth yesterday is not the truth today Truth before coronavirus 19 is not the truth we're existing in now. Truth is always in motion. There is indeed an absolute truth that permeates all time and space. I often refer to that as divine laws. Divine laws that can't be overrode, that can't be uh, uh, moved around or, or borrowed through or, or, or traveled over or under. We indeed have to walk in and manifest in that truth. And it has everything to do with what we know. It has everything to do with what we believe we understand. Um, I hear you, one Fani. I hear you, beloved. Um, I do have other callers online, but but no one has pressed number one. I haven't raised their hand yet, but I, I hear you, girlfriend. Uh, and I'm sure I have many people who are with us now who have something to say something to share, and I invite you to call in at area code 845-277-9143, 845-277-9143. When you're ready with your question, comment, or request, do press the number one on your telephone keypad. This will virtually raise your hand for me, and I'll open and unmute your mic and bring you into the conversation. We also acknowledge Oshun. Ajay, Yimaya, Olokun, and I'm speaking Yoruba, <laughs> as it relates to these mighty, mighty powers of the river and the ocean and the streams and the pools of water. Indeed, our first source for libation, but also for cleansing, for the life that exists within us, the, the very elixir of life exists within water. Uh, it, it is the, the philosopher's stone. It, it, it is the, the one crystal that we all must take, must build relationship with um, to stay alive, to indeed have our, have our very being. So we acknowledge those great powers in the ritual calendar of things, in, in the voodoo calendar of things. We, we do our work each and every day to acknowledge powers that fuel us, protect us, defend us, stand up with us and for us. All is a blessing. Uh, thank you, Keona Mott, 
toll-free number is 845-279-143. Please press that number one, and I will open your mic and bring you into the conversation. It is another day. It is a Monday. It is uh, the first Monday and the beginning of the first full week in the month of May, uh, depending on where you are in the world. It's, it's springtime, and we are moving quickly into the summer months. Uh, and for us here on the Gulf, Gulf Coast, that will bring new challenges. Hurricane season uh, begins on, on June 1st for us here and lasts until December 1st or November 30th uh, is the end of hurricane season. So the power of water is something that can't be overstated. The, the power of water to move through rock, uh, to change what we view as immovable, as a, as a solid, and, and some of the most solid uh, materials on the planet can be moved, can be decimated, can be cremated, can be uh, uh, reduced to, to sand and, and gravel uh, by the power and the might that is water. And Oa Kuhn in particular, like Eshu, holds the mystery of not only water, but of consciousness. We, we also see Ola Kuhn in, in the, uh, the uh, etymology, the, the symbolic utilage of um, Ola Kuhn as the deeper depth of consciousness, of consciousness, that which is what science says is in our subconscious, that it's not necessarily a part of our waking reality, but fuels every moment, every minute of our waking reality. It is there in the shadows where your past often will exist, where your pain exists, where those things that we don't want to remember, don't want to think about, often don't want repeated along our journey, will set up and hide in that subconscious zone, um, our very programming and, and how we were raised and how we were culturated to, to enter the world rest in that zone. And we often refer to that as, as where we do our shadow work, our shadow work, those things that we don't want to think about, those things that we don't want to talk about, those things that we don't want to address, but they still show up in our every everyday lives. Now is a great time to address the shadow work. And many of you are doing just that. Uh, people are, are doing their ancestral work right now and, and, and attending to their uh, egoons and their ancestral shrines. People are indeed looking into their background and, and their lineage. But more importantly, people are looking into themselves and, and addressing who they are in, in a very new, do you select the higher vibration versus your subconscious rhetoric choices and subconscious decisions? Thank you so much, Rapani, for that question. Um, and I pray now that I get deep that this isn't the time where FedEx UPS, the U.S. Postal Service want to start showing up at my door. Uh, but this is a great question because this is literally the work that we do every day, really. Um, you're either well-adjusted, healthy. It doesn't matter if you had a great background, a great up upbringing or, or not. Once you reach, let's say, the master number of 33, and I'll come back and address people that might be younger than that. But once you reach that master number three, um, it is said and it is believed that all that you are 
all that you know sort of congeals at 33, at this master number of, of 33. And so much of who you are is now manifest in your demonstration, whether you're conscious of it or not, whether you think about it every day or not. And, and I remember, I haven't heard it as much lately, but I remember in my, I don't know, 20s, early 30s, people often suggesting, you know, for us with the tragic background, with the pain in our past, with the molestation or the rape, or, or the violent abuse or, or the violent attack uh, or, or the death, you know, and murder that might exist in, in, in your background. You aren't ready often to, to address that because it invokes emotion. And so we tuck that stuff away and, and it becomes a part of our, our conscious mind and ultimately that shadow work. And it often will show up when we're under duress, under stress, Presented with new challenge or, or something that sort of resonates with, with, with some note. When you look at a sheet of music, one particular note from that, that time space. And so we then are given that choice again to either confront or, or, or to tuck and hide or to push that thing to the back again. And, and I say a lot, I, I say often, I try to say it every day. Um, Bob Marley said it best um, You run away You only live to fight That battle, that spirit That gem, that energy again um, and, and, and indeed When it becomes, when it escapes The realm of just energy And emotion to becoming now A gem, a demon a, a, a monkey on your back You indeed have to challenge That monkey You indeed have to confront That thing and the best way, the safest way is, of course, in your prayer time, it's in your meditation time, it's in your spirit work time. I'm not saying it's in the middle of your service. I'm not saying in the middle of ritual. I'm not saying in the middle of while your imam is speaking, your pastor is speaking in the choir or singing. I'm talking about when you're in your private space, in the safety of your space, and you can truly then confront moment to moment, those demons, those shadows that then show up. Do that work, and it makes it so much easier to choose, to choose the higher role, the higher vibration out here in the real world as we are confronted um, every day with, with, the, with the crossroads of choice. Um, I also strongly always suggest the mantra. Having mantras other way, let me say that in a new way. Having other ways to repeat, to recant energy into the universe, into the space, for those of you who aren't there yet, into your mind even, that can override the program. See, the negative thinking, that's, that's the old program. The, the subconscious thoughts that show up that are unresolved, that's a part of the old program. And so when we don't address that old programming, just like your computer, it can eventually become a virus. It, it, it can eventually collect enough error that it's now shutting down systems. Now you're getting a blue screen. Now your computer is shutting off. Now you have to really address this 
thing, person, place, or thing, to prevent it from continuing to be problematic for you. And, and heaven forbid, it's much worse when, particularly when we talk about people, and, and, and those people are no longer present, have passed on, for instance. So you can't confront mom, dad, brother, sister, perpetrator, uh, 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 you know, violating. And maybe you don't want to. You've got to do that in your shadow work. You've got to. You've got to address that shadow work. Um, and I know the scary depth of shadow work. I, I did know, uh, particularly in my in my 20s and in my early 30s, um, I got tired and sick and tired of being tired and sick and tired. I got tired of being in distress. I got tired of screaming out, reaching out, waving the red flag to no response or to getting the response, baby, I don't know how to help you. Baby, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to respond to that. And it was in that that I discovered the gravity of the journey that called individuals, people who are called spirit work, carry on them. Because it's not a joyful choice. It's not something you want to do for celebrity, fame, or fortune. If you're truly operating in spirit, it's something you do often for first self-repair, self-renewal, a fix for you, for our own personal stuff. And then we find out that we're not alone in that. Then we find out that others are operating in that. Then we find out that others benefit. And, and that's truly, if I can digress for just a quick moment, that's truly the moment that people should then operate in the business. They're at my door in the business in the spirit of ministry. Not before. to a quote-unquote religious school, 
They teach you about religion, not spirituality. They teach you protocol about how to operate within their tradition. They don't teach you protocol about how to exist and operate in the. And so often the gifted child, many of you who are, who have been challenged were gifted children, has to learn to navigate that spirit realm on their own without assistance, without a guide, without a mentor. And in today's environment, we now have the Internet. So people believe, you know, I can read every book that's available. I can find every course that's available. I can absorb, you know, as much as I can from, from other individuals' demonstrations. But you're still operating often without a teacher. Um, I love my sister Wapani. Many of you know that uh, Wapani is my blood sister. Uh, my mother, Evangelist Savage, had two children, uh, me and, my, and Wapani. And I love Wapani's ability to study research formation that allows her to escape the confines of medicine and the pharmaceutical uh, industry monster and, and what doctors and therapists often um, suggest and is finding a way to replace that or supplement that with nature. And voodoo is nature. There's no voodoo without nature, without a relationship to the ground, to earth, to the plants, to the trees. Um, you're not truly operating in the realm of spirit. For indeed, what you eat, how you live is, is an outward demonstration of what you are and where you are in the spirit, in the realm of spirit. And you can't keep eating garbage and expect to grow and develop up here. <laughs> and in here at that fourth chakra, you just can't. I'm not talking about vanity right now. I'm not talking about, you know, working out at the gym, you know, the gym buff. My hat's off to the gym buff. Do your thing. Uh, we all don't have that that energy or that motivation, but what we do have is the ability to choose. And so, in choosing to be happier, choosing to to clean up uh, uh, the monsters and, and the gins and the demons, we also have to examine what we're eating, how much clean water we're drinking, how much fruits and vegetables we're taking in how much variety we're eating. Variety is, is not only the spice of life, but it's really good for maintaining uh, physical and, and spiritual well-being. Um, so I'm a flexitarian. I'm not a vegan. I'm not a, a vegetarian, per se. I'm a flexitarian. Vegetables, produce, most of the time, whole grains. Uh, but I eat a little bit of fish. I eat a little bit of shrimp. I eat a little bit of chicken every now and then, and, and a little bit of beef. Um, every now and then. And so we must consider what we eat, how we live, how we sleep, how much exercise we're getting as, as important components to spiritual growth, spiritual development, spiritual maturation, uh, particularly for those of you who are practitioner-oriented, uh, who feel a need to read, uh, who feel a need to do and, and provide services for others. Um, Wapani is, is stating, you were already stating about the subconscious while she was typing. Oh, okay, I see you. Yes, indeed. Um, 
uh, let's see. Uh, callers, give me a moment. I'm trying to read my uh, chat, and it keeps moving on me. And I don't want to read things out of order. Yes, indeed. Um, I see you, Apani. Thank you so much for your comments and your love and your participation. Also, greetings to gentlemen. Greetings to Queen Reggae. Greetings to Orisha, Eva Orisha, Mojiva Orisha, Mojiva Eshu, Mojiva Oshun, Mojiva Oloku, Eva E, Yemaya. Greetings, greetings, greetings. Uh, anyone that I may not have acknowledged yet. The spiritual um, relevance of hair is is also um, something that I have talked about and I will talk about again um, in coming shows. Uh, let's see. Sterling Miller, have I ever been faced with challenges when, when building discipline? If so, how do you overcome it? I feel like laziness, especially towards my artistry, is part of my shadow work. Comment and a great question, Sterling Miller. Um, yes, I face those challenges, and, and we all do. Um, facing challenges to discipline is, is human. It, it's human. It, it, it's a part of our animal nature, but it's also part of our, our human nature. Uh, we see it in children. You know, the idea that you can see the cookies and you can see the cookie jar doesn't mean that you should always have immediate access to it, that you should always, you know, be allowed, you know, to go in it. Uh, so, so we teach our children discipline about eating, about running in the house, about how much noise to make, you know, use your voice versus your outside voice, uh, you know. The, the level in the car might be different than the level of tone at the shopping mall versus the level of tone at the doctor's office. And children are just learning that. This is all new experiences for, for a child and for a new spiritual person. So the idea of being challenged with discipline is human. It doesn't make you weak. It doesn't make you frail. Um, it, it doesn't somehow make you uh, more challenged than the next person, um, and, and that's easy to think. It's easy to get in that mindset, especially in our culture, where everything is made to seem perfect. Um, you look at TV, magazines. Heck, I can look at uh, uh, Nylon the Traitor, you know, and, and question, well, why doesn't my body look like that? Well, why can't I get up and, and, and go to the gym and, and develop that kind of uh, discipline? Because it's, 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 it's discipline. It's time, it's effort, it's instruction, it's what you're eating and drinking, but it's also genes. It is also genes and, and genealogy. Um, so, and so sometimes we think, you know, because of my particular discipline, because of my particular uh, handicap or disability, because of my particular makeup or chemistry, well, I'm just not wired for this or that. Oh, well, I just can't make A or B or C work for me. And so we all have to find our individual place in that. Uh, Sterling, you've heard me say before that all of us have a very unique and individual language, spirit language, in which God communicates 
with us, to us, through us, and what's the spirit realm communicates in us, with us, and through us. The first everyone here is conscious. No matter who you are, whether I know you or not, under the sound of my voice, you're here. So that's a sign of, of outward consciousness. Even if it's just curiosity, you're here. And so there are others here who are absolutely learning, who are taking in information, who are comparing that information to what they already know and what they already understand. And so that's a sign that you are consciously seeking discipline. You are consciously seeking the information necessary to, to grow, improve, evolve. The next thing I would say, Sterling Miller, is, is by all means, keep a journal. Note what's happening. Note where you're strongest. Note where you're slipping. Often that will show up in your journal, and you'll begin to figure out what your triggers are. That's a therapeutic word. That's a, a, a addiction therapy word. What are the triggers that make you eat, that make you drink, that make you want to abuse drugs or alcohol, that make you feel lonely, and so, therefore, you are much more open to who you should not be open to. Uh, what are your triggers? Uh, what are your triggers that cause you to quit uh, when you should press forward, when you should put your foot on the gas? Acknowledge and identify your triggers. And some of you believe your triggers to be personal, particularly uh, when it comes to artistry, uh, Sterling Miller, self-employed individuals, Kiona people who are trying to go into business for themselves, um, sometimes that, that trigger is a trick. You, you think it's about you, but it's really a part of the process. Um, the loads of emails that you now get, you think that's personal. You think that you just have a problem with going through all your email regularly and every day. You know, but that's something that every business, every entrepreneur, every brand has to deal with. If, if I get over 500 emails a day, a day, either they are junk, either they are irrelevant or, or, or sales communications, but then I have to weed out what's important. I have to weed out who my client requests are. I, I have to weed out my legitimate business requests. So your resistance for instance, as an example, to office work, you know, might be personal, might be specific to you, but that as a necessary trigger, for instance, to to now creating these other words, symbolism, you use the word lazy. Stop using that. I used to say that, oh my goodness, I'm so lazy, until Wapani started reverberating back to me what my real truth in demonstration was until my mother and my friends started saying lazy but you do a three-hour broadcast every day and then you do five hours of consultation every day and then you do three hours of office work every day i mean when do you eat when do you sleep and so i had to stop saying lazy lazy is not true in my particular scenario and lazy might not be true for you Sterling Miller, if indeed you are doing other things to move things forward. So change how you use words. Change your language. Change your language. And, and, and find other options. Find other options. 
So when I'm not in the mood to crochet anymore, you know, I, I have a little can here next to me where I've crocheted, I don't know, 10, maybe 11 uh, crystal gemstone bags, you know, various sizes and shapes. But when it gets to doing the next portion of the bag, uh, that's grueling for me, <laughs> you know, and that's where I slow down a little bit. I don't say lazy. I don't say distracted. I, I put that to the side and then I pick up the next chore that might be equally important, like eating, you know, like getting up and cleaning up the space, like moving on now to maybe my email or, or writing my show for the next day. Um, so write down what you're doing, what you're feeling, what you're thinking, Sterling. That way you can see the trigger and identify what is a legitimate trigger or what might otherwise be um, something that needs to be addressed in terms of how you organize your time, how you organize your, your space, how you organize your energy, uh, and what you're being exposed to during and, and moving into your artistry and, and into your work. Um, thank you for that. Greetings, um, Eagle. Turtle Star, thank you so much for, for being present and your energy. Um, I really love your name. Um, thank you for being a part. Keona Metlock, thank you for being a part of the show and contributing. I agree to you and I appreciate you. Um, a part of your question, uh, Keona Metlock, so I'm not exactly sure what you're asking. Uh, so I need you to come back and fill me in or, or complete that. Yes, um, Wapani, um, you know, there, there are conspiracy theories out there that the pharmaceutical industry is out to get us. And so, therefore, that would make doctors and practitioners and nurses somehow culpable or part of that system and or machine. And, and that's why it's a, quote, unquote, conspiracy theory. Um, rationally, it would suggest that everybody in the Army, if you will, would have some knowledge of what's going on. And that's why I use the Army as an example. We, we know that every member of the Army does not necessarily know exactly what's going on. You know your job. You know what you're trained to do. You know your position, tool, or piece in the uh, machinery. And so you may not know the uh, underlying major motivations behind why something is done. Uh, then on, there's the other level where doctors are just sort of focused in on doing their thing. And like us, they aren't always the healthiest. They aren't always vegan, vegetarian, flexitarian. They aren't always green-oriented. And so they aren't always as knowledgeable and aware of herbs, plants, roots, as we think and assume that they should be. So, yes, getting, you know, the odd look, the side look, you know, from your doctors, your physicians, when you are taking supplements, um, it's not uncommon. And anyone under the sound of my voice who's doing so, you know, you got diabetes, heart problems, high blood pressure, absolutely let them know that you're taking supplements. Don't hide that. Um, it's still your right to choose your medical care. But it's important that they know what you're taking, that that is documented. Uh, that the comparisons can be made uh, so that there isn't any adverse or negative uh, reactions or interactions uh, with your herbs and any 
prescribed medications you might be taking. And that's not always a negative. Sometimes, for instance, um, my herbs and my roots and what I'm eating and my diet, my sugar will be very, very normal. And sometimes it's a little bit low. So if I take insulin, if I take, you know, my metformin, then, then my sugar is going to go down to 80, you know, which is dangerous. You know, um, that's very dangerous. Your sugar really should drop below 90. Um, so, yes, you should let your doctors, your medical practitioners know that you're taking herbs, what type of herbs you're, you're taking, anything that you might be ingesting or taking that could in any way alter the medication and the effect of the medication and prescription that, that you might take. It also creates a, a, a footprint. If you're not already journaling Wapani, <laughs> and others listening what you're taking, um, now it's a part of your medical file. So now even the medical industry can't dispute you on your, your usage of uh, cumin, for instance, or turmeric um, to address certain um, in- inflammatory conditions. It's now in your journal, but also now part of the, the medical book of journals. And, and so it can't, it can't continue to be uh, denied um, or overlooked at. Thank you, Kiona, beloved. I, I appreciate you and my callers who are uh, with me online who don't have their hands raised. Eric code 323809. I know that's Kiona. Let me type her name in. It's me. You know, I have to type you all's name in every day. Uh, the platform doesn't save it. So that's why I call it the area code, even though I know it. Um, just to be sure I'm not talking to someone else in, in your area code. So, greetings, beloved. How are you doing, Sunshine? Yeah. And, and what, what do you have to offer today? When I tell you, I love you so much. Your very existence has changed my life. And I'm not just saying it to try to get the brown nose. I'm not saying it because it sounds good. I'm saying it with every inch of me. I am so grateful for you. My I'm life has changed so much. I'm humbled and honored in service. That's, I mean, it's really why I do what I do. That That is ministry. That is ministry. Greetings and from And I tell other. you, my life has changed. So anyway, so I was just stopping in. I'm here. You know, I um, I was logged in, but, I, uh, you know, I wasn't all the way in, so I had to stop by, you know, to um, pay my respects. But um, in, in my ignorance, I found out that um, tithing was it just wasn't just limited to uh, Christianity, um, and, and I just and found this out on Saturday. Yes, and tithing is not about uh, buying a pastor a Cadillac either um, or a house. I like to look at ancient Egypt. You know, if we look at timing and, and we want to discuss the Bible, the Quran, uh, um, Talmud. Um, um, the books that the Jews read, the books that are, are read in India, the Vedas, um, we have to go back to a particular period in time. And so I like to look at ancient Egypt. I love to look at Kemet. And so we, we saw people do their demonstration, not with the religion said it had to be done necessarily, though we know that that's carved in stone in ancient Egypt, but also at the demonstration. So the demonstration of tithing, we see the grain the rice, the corn being carried to the storehouse. 
and, and what's the reason for carrying it to the storehouse? Well, yes, it's a gift to the God. It's a gift to the spirit. But just like today, the sacrifice is eaten. The offerings are not just allowed to just decay and break down. You know, people partake in the blessed food. That is one of the reasons why Christians pray over their food and are admonished against eating food that has been prayed for or offered to other gods or other spirits because it was a common, universal, global awareness at that time that, that food, produce, meat, sustenance was often given credit to the gods, if you will, the ancestors, if you will, for, for bringing that um, to us, particularly in cultures where they experience famine, drought, you know, disease, uh, 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 and the like. So the tithing was about each individual doing for themselves, doing for your family, being able to feed your family, your communal family, maybe your cousins and, and, and other close friends, family, neighbors who live within your, your compound, but, but then often ultimately feeding the community. So the tithes weren't about passing them, you know, it, it was about maintaining the community. Um, ministry wouldn't survive without the community. Um, if, if it was left up to just keeping the lights on and paying your rent or mortgage, you know, or feeding yourself, clothing yourself, then be like everybody else in the world and get a job. You know, I could just focus on acting, you know, and, and pay my bills and, and not have the time, the energy, the luxury, the supplies, the implements, or the temple space to operate in ministry. So tithing is critical. Tithing is critical. And it's not something that I overtly speak about often. In fact, this is the first time anyone has ever <laughs> asked about tithing and, and my opinion or, or my, you know, understanding of what tithing is. And indeed, there are those among us, I won't call them out specifically or, or personally, who, who tithe. Um, and they send donation offering, you know, some every day. It might be $5, but they might send it every day, um, once a week, twice a week, every other week, weekly. Uh, it depends on which person I pull out of the group um, and, and their uh, ability to recognize spirit and the move of spirit in their lives and how, as Keona just shared, um, that is projected from not just me, but from this space and from this platform that I've been gifted with um, by the ancestors and, and by the creators to, to spread this, this message of revival and renewal and revolution through ATR, traditional African-based religious systems, and particularly for us and, and by us. Forgive me, Fubu, I'm not stealing your, your branding. Um, but particularly for us and, and by us, there's no excuse now that we must continue to adhere to world-dominating traditions and religions, particularly when they don't make any sense to us today in a minor context, May, particularly when they don't speak to who we are, particularly when they don't feed our needs. And so if, if people are paying the 10% to 15% into these houses, into these storehouses, but they can't 
help you with your rent. They can't help you with your water bill. They can't help you with your life. They don't even have a food closet. When they knock on my door, Jehovah Witnesses, and I decide to speak to you, that's one of the things that, that I ask. Do you have a clothing closet? Where's your food pantry? Because I already know the answer. You don't have one. You have that lovely temple around the corner. You had that kingdom hall building. And so where are the other revenues going? Into the cars, into the housing of the administrators. They, they, they have no resources available to the community. So, so where else would the resources be going? And, and it's funny because we're looked at intently for you psychics and readers and do you pay taxes? I do. Does the state, does the government, do they know how you're handling your business? I do. And I'm a qualified minister, and I still pay taxes as a qualified individual. I choose to. I don't need the government to protect for me, to hide from me. You know, I also don't need anyone controlling what I do or how I do it. So we fund what we do. The community funds what we do. I fund what we do. Voodoo funds voodoo. I, I'm, we don't need your extra help. We invite you to get in touch with who you are, you know, and, and to enter the community that way. But um, no, we've lost touch, Kiona, with what tithing is because we've been so over-indoctrinated with religion and often the, the toxins of modern political religion. Um, greetings, Ra. Greetings, beloved. Thank you so much for being present and bringing your energy. I would love to have other participants on the show. I would love to have some of y'all pop in on screen with me now and share your questions and comments. I would love to have you all on my phone line, the area code uh, 845-277-9143, area code 845-277-9143. Do press the number one on your telephone keypad. I'll be more than happy to unmute your mic and bring you into the conversation. Beloved Godchild, beloved Godchild, I'm not going to call your name out right now, but I'm going to respond to your message about you converting your dog kennel into a chicken coop so that you can now bring in uh, airway <laughs> onto your property. I'm a little curious as to why you're doing all that around this hour and texting me and Facebook messaging me about it when you should be in this platform participating in this show. My godchildren, my students, my initiates should be here. This is classroom time. This is the opportunity for you to ask your questions, to, to state your case, to share your experiences. And you're texting me, beloved, Aleo. Beloved Aleo, what are you doing? But I'm not going to call out your name. I'm not going to embarrass you right now. <laughs> but I invite you all to call me at 845-277-9143 and do more than just listen. Press the number one on your telephone. Keep that. I'll be more than happy to unmute your mic and bring you into the conversation. It's a new day. It's a new day. D.D. Heyman, honest to you as well, beloved. It's a new day. Greetings to you all. It is a new day. And particularly for religious folks, spiritual folks, 
magical practitioners, ritual practitioners, the root doctor, the, the hoodoo man, show and prove. Now it's time. I'm calling all of you all out. Show and prove. Now is the time. Listen, I know my mama be listening on the show. I already had my conversation with my mama early this morning that I might be a little aggressive today, that I might say some some aggressive things today. But spirit calls for it. Y'all have y'all been perpetrating for long too long. Too long. Where are your public comments and ratings? Where are your publicly documented proof and evidence of your activities, of your work. Come on in. And my newcomers, my beginners, who are just beginning, who who need mentorship, who are open to mentorship, where are you? Come on in. Open your mouth. Your fifth chakras are, are blocked. Share your truth. Speak your truth. Ask your questions. Share your criticism, but be present. Now is the time. Now is the time. The depression numbers, the suicide numbers, the domestic violence numbers are through the roof right now. Anxiety in our society is through the roof right now. And and many are hiding behind politics. So we're willing to get on social media and, and debate politics. Many are hiding behind social media. So we're willing to get on social media and talk about, you know, pop culture and the foolishness of the moment, of the day. But we're not addressing these real issues. We're not addressing how to grow, how to heal, how to advance, how to do that shadow work that, that so many in this room are, are doing right now and are talking about right now and are sharing with us right now. Now is the time. Now is the season. God has us all on a timeout, and for what reason? To reexamine who you are, to reexamine what you're doing, to reexamine where you're going, to reexamine how you're operating with your loved ones and your spouse and your roommates and your children and the people that you are sharing that house with, that you're sharing that apartment with, that you're sharing that space with. Now is the time. And those who are willing to do the work, those who are willing to reevaluate, as my sister Wapani has on the screen right now, um, are going to see growth, are going to see wellness, are going to see prosperity moving forward in, in a short matter of time. Our timing now, many of you know I was in stress about timing. I actually stopped doing reading for, for a minute because I wasn't sure how to apply accurate and correct timing that I can guarantee with the conditions of the coronavirus. So we're looking at 30 days, 90 days, 30 days, 60 days, 90 days, that has now converted, rolled over into three months, six months, nine months, for people seeing fruitfulness of the works, the efforts that are being put into place right now. And that includes the virus. We already know it'll be at least a year before they can come up with any viable, uh, what do you call it, inoculation or, or a solution, medical solution for this. So three months, six months, nine months, it's not unrealistic. It's not a stretch. 
And what you do right now, whether it's operating in your garden, planting your seeds, literally and figuratively, uh, building your business, planting your seeds, literally and figuratively, I guarantee you see fruitfulness in, in 30 to three months, 30 to 90 days. So in three months, you see fruitfulness. You see benefit. You see the payoff for that. Now is the time, as, as my sister stated, for our body, our mind, our spirit, even spatial evolution. Uh, Asia is already re- redesigning um, airplanes and re- redesigning the insides of trains and redesigning how they operate in public. People are already trying to figure out how to continue with the NBA and, and how to continue with some of these great cultural events that typically are done in large arenas and how to create a new space to do that in. And so D.D. Heyman said the, the toxic, toxicity that we have gotten accustomed to living in is now being shaken up, shaken around, put in a context where you can see it clearly, particularly if the, if the toxicity is in your marriage, in your relationship, in your home, between you and your roommates, or, or you and your housemates, or, or you and your family members, that toxicity is much more visible to us right now. It's much more audible to us right now. You're real sensitive to what you're hearing repeatedly. You're real sensitive to what you're seeing uh, repeatedly. Greetings, evangelists. Uh, welcome to the show. Yeah, most of my uh, participants, mom. Um, seem to be young people, uh, younger than 40. (laughs) Um, I'm not hearing as much from my older listeners. Uh, I am communicating with them off air and in social media and on Facebook. I really like your icon too, by the way, Mom, Um, what you're using for your uh, Facebook profile um, page. I really like that picture. Where'd you get that? But um, older people that I'm in communication with are doing what you and I are doing, and they are keeping up with the news, keeping up with the information. Um, If they're religious, they're more religious now than ever before. If they're spiritual, they're more spiritual now um, than ever before. Um, Many of the older people are, I think, are a little bit more, I want to be careful about how I word this, um, they believe. I'm not saying that they follow. I'm saying that they believe. And so we do research. We do study. We listen to more than one news outlet. And so we believe the realities of the virus. So people 50 and over um, have responded for the most part, um, protecting themselves, wearing masks. Um, my best friend, 70 years old, she's wearing a mask. I'm still bopping around town, but she's wearing a mask. She's isolating. Uh, she's changed her behavior. Um, I live in historic Treme. I, I live right around the corner from Charbonnet Funeral Home. Um, they've got drive-through funerals, Mom. Um, it, it's a big plain glass, uh, what do you call it, plate glass window. And people drive by in their cars and can see, you know, the body in, in the casket. Um, all dressed up and the flowers are, are still present. But no more than 10 people are allowed to gather. Um, So I'm seeing people 50 and over, for the most part, taking this very seriously. 
um, here. And when I see the protests on TV, I am not seeing um, 50-year-old people of color or older being active in those protests, at least enough to be caught, you know, live on camera so that that then shows up on TV or in our um, our media uh, platform. I know older people are, are, are taking care of business. I know old, older people are adhering to um, the CDC and, and the information that's available. Um, I, they're just not speaking out, and, and I invite that. Um, now, where they are speaking out is in Twitter um, and some of the more mature formats. Um, Facebook isn't quite the most mature format. So even though you and I both know older people who are in Facebook, they're not always sharing their opinions like myself and Tony Val um, or maybe even Rupani might. Um, they're not sharing their opinions. And, and I invite this uh, audience to share your opinions, speak out a little bit more, uh, to say what's on your mind um, a little bit more because younger people need that guidance. And in many cases, want that guidance. They want to know our opinions. Um, but may not always know how to ask. Um, Mom, Didi Heyman is 41. She's been one of my most uh, prolific uh, participants in the chat today. Um, Bridget, I think Eagle Turtle Star said her name was Bridget. I'm not quite sure what her age is. Um, Keona, I believe, is in her 30s, early 30s. So, yeah, it's a, quite a young audience. A greeting, Sean Wynn. Welcome. Welcome, beloved. Thank you for being present. Um, yeah, so it's a, it's a pretty young audience, uh, at least in terms of who's in the live chat here. Uh, with the, my blog talk radio reach is a little bit more expansive, and so it reaches uh, a much more global audience. Area code 612. 612. Hi, I'm not familiar uh, with that. Is, I used to be a phone operator, and, and once upon a time, I had all these area codes memorized. So who's calling, and where are you calling from, 612? This is Sterling. Um, I'm calling from New Orleans, but my phone number is a Minnesota, Minneapolis phone number. Um, you, you, broke yeah, up a, I, you broke up a little bit. What did you say about the phone number? My phone number is from Minneapolis. Oh, oh, okay. That's better. I can hear you real good now. Oh, okay. That's why I didn't recognize that number. Now, that's one place I've never been, never visited, was Minneapolis. I think the closest I ever got to Minneapolis was um, Milwaukee. <laughs> Milwaukee. And Milwaukee was so different compared to, you know, the other regions of the country that I was, you know, familiar with. So, so that's one place that's really new to me. How you doing today, beloved? I'm doing really good. How are you doing? All is a blessing. Did you have a, a question or comment for us today? Yes, I did. Um, so right now I am actually, um, I've had a lot of time to think about the, my next steps in terms of like my artistry and how I can um, develop a platform for myself. And um, I've been trying to like curate because I'm a poet. I write a, um, a lot of spoken word pieces, 
So I've been trying to figure out. Sterling, Sterling, be careful, beloved. Be careful because you're breaking up just a little bit. So, like, if you have a headset on, just just hold your mic close to your mouth and and then say that again because you broke up just a little bit. Okay. Well, um, I'm a poet, and right now I'm trying to figure out how I can um, curate something to share online and also, like, not only, like, build an audience, but also, like, bring in some funds. And the ultimate goal is I want to make, create a poetry album that I tour with. And um, although, like, you know, I'm kind of new in the game, I really want to put my work out there because I know that it's impossible and that it will really bring people together. So I'm just right, trying listen, to figure out I, how- I appreciate what you do. Um, you're breaking up a little bit. I appreciate what you do um, as an artist myself, um, as a writer myself. Um, I'm not exactly a poet. Um, I play around with the notion, but I'm I'm not arrogant enough to say that I'm a poet. Um, my writing tends towards a, a different direction. But man, there's so many opportunities and there's so much room for someone like yourself to desire that ability and those skills. How old are you? Um, I'm 21. Oh, okay. Yeah, then you're you're really young. Um, for some of my age, you're extremely young. <laughs> at 21, uh, you're just meeting legal drinking age at 21. Um, so in terms of the technology, in terms of the platforms that are, that are now available, uh, and also the fact that you are 21, you have a different mindset than I do. You have a different viewpoint than I do and a different way of sort of seeing and examining the world um, than I do. Um, And that's to your benefit. Um, I would say, as we say here in the South, a closed mouth does not get So people don't know you're a poet. You participate in this show almost every day. I never knew you were a poet until right now. I had no idea. had no idea what you did. had no idea how old you were have no idea um, what you look like. I have no idea what your work. Now, listen to what I just said. Think about what I just said from the perspective of you trying to expand your artistry. We don't know you. I'm not being shady. We don't know you. So you need to do more in terms of making sure that you are visible on your platform, wherever you are. Now, now I know it's a little different here in YouTube. Uh, some people don't even have a YouTube image. Uh, uh, many of the people in this chat do. I can see one with Pani. I can see uh, Martha Martinez, uh, D. 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 Heyman, and others. But many of you don't even have a image up. But you're promoting something. You're trying to sell something. You're, you're trying to get a word out about, about something. Um, that's problematic. So make sure that you don't just have uh, a social media filled out, that you got a picture, that your profile information is complete. That doesn't mean you have to reveal your location. That doesn't mean you have to give away your secret, but fill out your profile information. Um, I'm quick to swipe left or dismiss profiles that, that don't have enough information. I'm quick to ignore emails that are generic. You send me an email with just a link, with no writing, no text, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna delete it. I'm gonna assume it's spam or, or it's a trap and I'm gonna delete it. So Sterling, make sure you're you know, show your face somewhere so that we can connect you to your product. And then show your product in the body of your of your social media uh, accounts, wherever that is, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, at least those are the top five that, that are most popular. I know there are so many more out there, StreamYard, um, um, Periscope. I know there's so many more out there. But make sure that you're visible. And then make sure that people hear you, whether that's in writing or whether that's verbally. Um, many of you think we can look at your craft, your creation, your project, and make sense of what your message is. And sometimes you have to explain what your message is. Sometimes you have to say what your point is or your purpose is. And, and it's why I do it so often on this show. That's why some of our audience seems to come and go. It seems to be very temporary, you know, because their motivation, their, their reason for being here may not necessarily line up with why I'm here, what my mission is. They, they may be here to become quickie, overnight psychic readers and, and witches. <laughs> and that's not why I'm here. Teach authentic spirit practice, whatever your tradition is, uh, whatever your, your uh, mode of demonstration is. And so I consider art, music, acting another level of ministry because you're sharing something, you're teaching something, you're speaking in a language that's universal, that permeates just what we know, but then affects how we feel about something. It, it affects us on, on the inside. Also, um, Sterling, get much more serious about the business of art, the business of Make sure you're valuing your, your work appropriately. Make sure you're requesting for the appropriate offering for your work. Um, that's also important. Um, many of us are, are, are doing great things and have not even found out a way to feed ourselves, to sustain, you know, what we're doing. Uh, in a better time, artists had uh, mentors and sponsors whose only interest was to make sure your life stayed on and that you had what you needed in order to continue to create your work. Um, that still exists today, but now it's in a modern context. And, and it's not just GoFundMe either. And there are other avenues beyond just GoFundMe. Uh, I'm not particularly a fan of GoFundMe, by the way. Um, it, it's, a, it's a new panhandling, if you will. Uh, and, and even on that platform, it's very biased towards favor towards favor, favor who they will. People like who they like. People choose who they choose. People follow who they follow. You hear me say it all the time, Sterling. There are people who listen to me, who watch me every day and won't, won't click like, won't click follow, won't subscribe to my channel, you know, for, for whatever personal haterade kind of reason, you know, for whatever reason. We can't always control it, affect to change that. And, and we shouldn't be all that concerned about it. And, and I'm not. I'm just aware of it in, in terms of what is popularized in social media versus what is not. And so the truth has a harder road to walk. Realness has a harder road to climb. And it's interesting that some of the people who claim to be the most realist 
in social media, the whole thing is a stick. The whole thing is an act. You know, I'm over ghetto because it's entertaining to you. Like the little white girl in social media who claims to be black, who has many of you worked up about that, by the way. And she does these really super aggressive ghetto, over-the-top videos. And and some of you who are ghetto and over-the-top call that keeping it real. If I were to cuss right now, you call that keeping it real. If I were to act ghetto and, and, and sort of common right now, some of you would call that keeping it 100 without me spitting any knowledge, without me sharing any truth. And, and that's the illusion, marketing, advertising, illusions that we get caught up with. And don't keep pointing the finger at big business and saying that's the Illuminati. The Illuminati is me and you. The, the Illuminati exists right here among us. The Illuminati is your peer group that can override your good sense of what makes, still get you to agree with something that don't make no sense. I, I got another good friend in her 70s, too ghetto for her own good. And, and I mean ghetto when it comes to health knowledge, health information, what's important about HIV, what's important about coronavirus, what's important about economics you know, and housing as it shows up black people. And her responses are stereotypically ghetto and false. And I love her, love her to the point that I don't even want to argue anymore, beloved. I done already told you that that's not how HIV is transmitted. I've already told you that that's not how coronavirus, you know, but, but still she will believe the loud, cussing, ghetto voice in YouTube before she'll hear my soft feel truth. And so many of you got to look at that in terms of how you're taking in information, how you're receiving information, and your willingness consciously and subconsciously to take in information and then apply that in a way that's real. Uh, Dee Dee Heyman, what do I think about people ready to open up restaurants, bars, getting into the police space and, and not getting arrested? You already know what I think. <laughs> White supremacy is supreme. That's the first thing I'm going to say. Heidelman is supreme. And I don't want to hear, oh, well, you know, it was a dozen black people in those protest videos. Absolutely. But these protest videos have already been proven to be funded by Republicans, conservative groups well-funded groups and, 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 commit, and committees that then draw upon physical bodies from the grassroots community, just like the, the Hollywood South will, will call on background actors, you know, for the lower fee to come in and fill it in and give it some authenticity. Um, but it's not real. Now, my second opinion, which I expressed yesterday, I agree with them. Your freedom, your right. They got a they got a right to go out there and get the corona if they want to. They got a right to take it home to their family if they want to. But they don't have a right to bring it back to me or my mama or my people. They don't have the right. And so therefore I have to maintain my rules. I have to maintain my protocol. I have to maintain, oh no, you're not coming in my house no time soon. I have to maintain, no, I'm putting on three masks before I leave the house with two covers 
I have to maintain. And so we have to look out. Just because they open the doors don't mean we have to go. Just because they say come on in don't mean we have to be present. I won't. And if Atlanta and whoever else wants to set themselves up to be the guinea pig, <clears throat> go right ahead. Just report back the information. <laughs> make sure you put that on Twitter. Make sure you put make sure you put that on YouTube. Make sure we know, you know, the outcome. Uh, Martha Martinez, do I believe there will be a second wave of the virus? Absolutely. We're already seeing it now, quietly. You are checking the numbers and counting days back to Easter weekend. And there are some people who are dying, unfortunately, right now and over this past weekend that became infected um, Easter weekend during Easter season. Yes, um, Didi Heyman, it's, I mean, you know, it's, it's hard to say I don't want to be racist, but it's racial. It's mostly white people in Michigan, absolutely, that are fighting this. And, and when we look at who's protesting, how it's showing up, um, you know, on the news, it, it, it's white, conservative so-called, Republican so-called, uh, in some cases, Christian so-called that are pushing that. Um, my mama, who's a devout evangelical Christian who I respect, her peers are not in social media. Um, that, that responds back to her earlier question about what did older people have to say about this? How are older people handling this? How are older people responding to this? Um, they, and they do have, I believe, much more well-established um, social groups, peer groups, uh, mom. And by the time you get to my age, you, you've got friends, family that you've known 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, uh, you know, even 10 or 20 years um, with a much more established relationship. Uh, you know where the good parts are. You know where the get, bad parts are. I think teenagers, 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds are too quick to cut off and dismiss, whether it's loving relationships, whether it's friends. Oh, she, she offended me, so it's over. Oh, he disrespected me, so, you know, I shot him. I stabbed him. I, I beat him down. You know, we don't have those social networking skills where you learn to overcome the problem. You over, learn to overcome the challenge. You learn, learn to overcome blocks and personal issues, even if it's between you and your mom, you and your dad, you and your sisters and brothers. We are not going to agree on everything. There are things that me and my mom don't agree on. There's things that me and Pani don't agree on, you know, and it does not become an argument. It doesn't become a reason for the breakdown in, in the relationship. In fact, we, we accept it as an opportunity for growth, for learning something new, for opening up to another perspective or from a loved one, from somebody's safe, and then being able to examine that, if you will. So the younger people are, are much more likely, some of you, not to have strong support systems, not to have, you, you might have a strong party peer group. You got friends that's willing to come over and smoke up your weed and drink up your liquor. Where are they when you need them? Where are they when you're under stress? Where are they when you're in, under pressure? Where are they when, when, you know, you need wisdom? 
Uh, and so I think that's where it affects my younger audience um, a great deal differently than, than the older older audience. And so I think people over 50 are also um, more likely to, to listen to and hear um, strong wisdom and then accept that. Am I still digitized, uh, Dee Dee Harmon? And thank you for mentioning that because my mom also mentioned that earlier, that she was still to some degree experiencing buffering to live platforms. Greetings, 601. That's my mama. That looks like yes, my mama. Your mama. Greetings, beloved. Welcome. Greetings, son. I called in because I had so much to say about that subject, about where are your older listeners? Can you hear yeah. me? Yeah, of course. And I realized that a lot of my peers are not into social media. And it worries me that after we get a certain age, we become stagnant. We don't grow. We don't want to learn anymore. We think we know it all, and we're just waiting to leave out of this cosmos into another one. And I don't understand that because I'm curious. I want to know what's going on around me, what's in my environment, how is it going to affect me. And as you said earlier, we don't see eye to eye on a lot of things, but we we do see eye to eye on loving each other. And mm-hmm. I don't understand people that I had someone to tell me the other day, well, I'm just interested in where I'm going. I'm not interested in what's going on with all this stuff. You better get interested in what's going on all this stuff because if your mind is going to affect your, your finances, it's going to affect everything in your life. And as you said earlier, when you get older, you're supposed to have wisdom, and that wisdom is not for you. It's supposed to be shared and passed on to the next generation. Otherwise, we'll just keep making the same mistakes over and over and over. And I guess that's all I have to say because I'm pretty wound up about that. I, I'm, I'm just dismayed at how sedentary most of my peers are and how they're not interested in learning anymore. So yeah. I'm going to hang up and watch you on YouTube now. Thank you. We appreciate your comment and your participation, Mom. Love you. And I also, um, you know, I'm never going to give away where you live or, or anything like that. But you live in a rural area. And you live in a part of the country where people tend to be a little bit more conservative, a little bit more um, set in their ways, um, a little bit more religious, perhaps, um, in, in some some issues. They're going to filter it through through religion. And, yeah, it's real easy to get comfortable with what you think that you know. Um, and, and stop listening to the notes, to the news, and stop seeking out other opinions about what's happening. Um, and, and yes, we hear even 30-year-olds now saying, I don't listen to the news, I don't pay attention to the news, but they will listen to their peers. They will absorb, you know, that limited knowledge that, that their peers will be saying and accept that as, as the whole truth, accept it as there's nothing else, you know, to look at. Um, my sister Wapani says she keeps hearing that after every play. There is a renaissance. Uh, this is the time for all types of artists and their artistry. Uh, chefs are artists, writers, painters are artists, musicians um, to forward in, in, in their practice. And I agree. Um, I think the renaissance is almost natural because after spending so much time isolated, separated, being still, being quiet, thinking, listening, 
Um, in some cases, you know, I, I don't get bored, but some of you get bored, um, which causes you to be more creative, which causes us to think outside the box, which causes us to design new things and to create new ideas and to envision new ways of looking at, at things. Um, I'm just as wound up about it, Mom, as you are, uh, and, and how we, at whatever age, think that we got it. We know all that we need to know. We understand all that we need to understand, uh, and, and so therefore we don't need help. We don't need any further information. We don't need to hear, you know, other people's opinions. And we put up walls internally that, that shut off our ability to hear, you know, and we become argumentative and, and, and petty, you know, rather than to really hear each other um, in love. In, in clarity, even if there's not love, uh, uh, you know, involved, I, I at least want to be clear about what's being said. I at least want to be clear about about what you're projecting at me. A peace and blessings to you as well, uh, Keisha Smith. I appreciate y'all hitting the thumbs up button. I appreciate you all subscribing to the YouTube channel. I haven't gotten the new um, Block Talk Radio channel subscriber in I don't know how long. So I know people are listening to me on Block Talk Radio and are not um, subscribing. I really would appreciate that. Um, thank you so much, everyone, for your love and support. Rain of love. Greetings, beloved. Thank you so much for showing up and being a part of our live broadcast today. Um, yeah, thank you, uh, Juan Rapani. I didn't know people could. Well, you could like, but you didn't have to refresh your page. If you like and then refresh, um, it, it should work if you're using the uh, uh, YouTube Live platform. Greetings, greetings, everyone. Have I missed any of my questions? Four more deliveries come. I, I'm surprised they haven't interrupted us again. Um, holistic fitness. Um, is that hoodoo occultism? Because I'm confused. <laughs> Holistic Fitness, um, who changed their name? I, I see the post, I changed my name. What I'm not seeing is who changed their name. So I'm going to assume that's hoodoo occultism, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Uh, let's see. Queen Reggae. Was it hard for your family to accept your call into ATR? Or what advice would you give someone who is around people who look at voodoo as evil? Ooh, Queen Reggae, that's a great question. Um, that's a great question. Um, as my mom just said, if you, if you were listening, we don't agree on a lot of things. Um, and I don't have to go into a great detail. All you need to know is my mom is an evangelical Christian minister who's written at least three books. And, I, and I'm an openly devout ATR voodoo practitioner. Um, so you can imagine disagreement. You can envision um, what we might not always agree on. Um, everybody doesn't agree on um, sexual identity. That's a whole other la layer to the onion of disagreement that I have to deal with with people um, as it relates to, to religion, ATR, voodoo. That also, uh, was it hard? Um, yes. 
at first, and I found out what made it hardest was my inability to speak to who I was, my inability to explain who I was, my inability to talk about it, who I was. And if you can't do that, you most certainly shouldn't be teaching or acting as a practitioner or, or trying to read other people. If you aren't even in a place in your life where you can talk to ATR and, and, and spiritual practices and belief systems in a way that's intelligent and concise um, and, and makes sense to people who are not operating in ATR, you shouldn't be trying to be a practitioner. Uh, I found that when I did not have the words, Queen Reggae, when I did not have the language, it made it easier for my family, my mom, um, other religious folks challenged me on what I thought I was doing and what I thought I, I knew. And of course, even though they may not have been able to put it in words outside of their own religious preference, um, they would regurgitate their own religious preference. So I will always keep getting the Bible repeated back to me, scripture repeated back to me. Uh, and I had to remind people, even my mother, you know, I grew up in the church with you. I was on the pew with you. I can re recite the scriptures better than the average person. Um, so my choice in voodoo is not a, a lack of understanding of the Bible. In fact, I believe I have a greater understanding of the Bible than many so-called Christians. Um, but once I found my words and, and could say that and could explain that and could express that, I found that I, I won't say that I got less opposition, but I'll say that the, the, the type of opposition had to change. The type of opposition had to conform. Uh, I, we know we can't come to him from the left, so now we have to come from a different way. I mean, I think in the case of my mom, um, it, it came down to love and family and, and support as opposed to trying to always beat the next person over the head with, with the proselytizing of your belief, of your religion, of the, your way of seeing the world. And sometimes when, when your family and friends or people around you look at, you know, you, you, you use the word voodoo as evil, that speaks to what they know about voodoo. That speaks to what they understand about voodoo. And if you can't re-explain that, if you can't re-educate them on that, if you can't re-teach that, then you have no words to defend yourself the religion, the culture, or the practice. And so that becomes a vicious cycle, particularly with the people close to you, that going back and forth over what God is, what religion is, you know, et cetera. Once we get into what spirit is, spirituality is, we can transcend religion and then start looking at behavior and demonstration. Now, you can be as Christian as you want, but if you're not treating me in an in a authentic Christian way, then I definitely don't want to hear what you have to say. And, and that's something you all heard my mama, that even in her own journey, she evolved. You know, how, how do you teach, share, you know, what you know, what you understand, what you believe to be the truth, what you believe to be beneficial to the next person in a way that they're going to hear and receive? And so most people, especially today with, with the World Wide Web and, and our availability of information, you can't proselytize to most people anyway. You can't preach, if you will, to most people anyway. Um, all you can do is latch on to that automatic programming that many of us already know. And so that's why they often repeat the same scriptures, repeat the same 
better, repeat the same uh, lines from the Quran, you know, that, that register with your subconscious mind because your present mind is in opposition, is in challenge to the status quo. And many of you are seeking replacement for that or, or, or the, the, the new thing that should go into that, into that space. So if you don't have the words and you can't explain it and you can't share your experience and you can't talk about it in any concise, intelligible way that I can then take your words and then go back and look and research for myself, then that vicious cycle um, continues. Um, once people have the knowledge and they know better, and then they choose to still brand voodoo as, e- as evil, that's personal. That's then on them. That's a whole nother level of, of ignorance uh, right there. That, that transcends uh, what we're talking about. In the, in the most immediate, in the most immediate. Thank you, D.D. Uh, Heyman. I appreciate that. Um, Ashe, beloved, neophyte, Bokor, tourist. Greetings, greetings, beloved. Thank you for being present. Yes, um, family support is critical. I didn't always have family support. Um, the first half of my, my life, I didn't have family at all. Uh, and some of my family didn't know I didn't have family at all. Um, I'm young and out there and on the streets and out on, in the world, and, and many of my extended family had no idea um, or knew but didn't, weren't clear about why. Um, and so it's easy to look like the problem child. It's easy to look like the, the runaway statistic. And, and it was really well into my adult years before my mom spoke her truth and Wapani spoke her truth, giving people other information, you know, uh, to then understand who I am and where I am then, but, but more importantly today. So, yes, that, that family support now in the present is crucial and critical, uh, Keith Smith, to who I am. Uh, it, it's a whole nother level of freedom when you don't have to worry about what your mama thinks, says, or believes about who you are and, and what you're doing. Um, my mama might not understand voodoo. My mama might not understand APR. But like I said a moment ago, she understands spirit. And so she sees spirit transformation in my life and what I do and how I am and my demonstration. She sees the product of what I say I believe as a form of my demonstration. And so in love, we can meet in that place. And there's no challenge. You know, th- th- there's no no uh, disagreement. Thank you. Thank you so much for everyone's participation. Come on, we're, we're quickly uh, approaching the top of the hour. Um, thank you, 254, Eric 25, for calling in. What's your question? Greetings. Greetings. Um, my name is... My name is Jay White. Greetings, beloved. Greetings. Love what you do, and thank you for what you do. Um, I do have a question. Yeah. My uh, my journey's a little bit different from most. I went from like a spirituality background into Christianity when I was taken from my biological family. So I've grown up in Christianity. 
uh, you know, I became a preacher at a young age. I've pastored churches. I've traveled through the country preaching and teaching and building ministries. But I've always had that other kind of deeper spiritual side that I tried to morph into, you know, Christianity. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so I've kind of stepped back from preaching and teaching to walk in my truth. Um, now, or find my truth first and then walk in it. So my question is, what do I owe to, like, the people that I brought into it? You know what I'm saying? Even though they had their own, you know, I come to Jesus, you know, whatever, for themselves. The ones that, you know, I brought into the ministry, the ones that came up under me, Do what do I owe to them? So let me be sure I ask, I understand your question. So I'm going to use my Ian LeVan therapeutic words. What I believe I heard you say was, I grew up spiritual, or I was being raised spiritual. Then that was disrupted, and you were put into another environment where Christianity was sort of indoctrinated upon you. And so then you became became a at a young age, past churches um, at a young age, fully ingrained in that in that culture and system, for lack of better words. That right. part, okay, so let me bring it up to now. What I believe I hear you saying is now you're either back on the spiritual path or, or you're doing some combination of the two. If I'm hearing you right, I be- want to understand what do you owe, if anything, to the people who you brought into Christianity? That's where I'm confused. Correct. Or am I, am I not confused? That's what you're asking. Yes. You know, because I have you tutored them, and mentored. You don't owe them anything. You only owe them in something if they approach you. If they come back to you today and say, beloved, but I thought you said but beloved, but you said the Bible. Now, if they approach you, now you have an opportunity to say, I spoke the truth from where I was in that moment. This is something Wapani and I have discussed. Wapani's first book, um, Spiritual Warfare, might be seen as a quote unquote Christian book. She ain't all that happy about me, about me talking about the book because she no longer supports the book wholeheartedly in, in her own belief, in her own inner standing. Um, but I still talk about the book. Um, so we talk about this very topic. She wrote the book, and I don't want to speak for her. She's with us, so she'll speak for herself. She wrote the book from truth from where she was at that time, at that moment in time. And we all should grow. We all should evolve. We all should not be in the same place a year after, two years after, five years after. So you can't be judged for your past truth. The only, you can be held to your past truth, but to be held to, they would have to approach you. They would have to take some action. So if they come at you, that's different. And that gives you the opportunity to say, beloved, I, I hear you. 
Well, love it. You know, I spoke from the truth where I was at that time. You might say, and don't let me put words in your mouth, but you might say, you know, I apologize. You know, if I if I led you in a direction that you otherwise would not have gone in. But that was my understanding at the time. And so now I'm in a new place. Now I'm in a better educated place. Express that. You, you don't have to necessarily use my words. Find your own words, Jay, beloved. Find your own way of, of expressing that truth. But by all means, you are obligated to express it. You are do obligated. Do I need to do it publicly? Um, not necessarily. Not necessarily. Not, now, I'm going to assume, unless you're one of the people um, like my beloved who like to change their name and their identity or in social media a lot, um, I'm assuming that you're already sharing your truth. Even if it's just, you know, it's, it's a wonderful day, peace, peace and blessings. I'm assuming that whether it's Instagram, social media, whatever it might be, that you are indeed already walking in your truth. Uh, I'm going to assume that you're not still overtly projecting that symbolic language out to your community. So what I mean by that is, you know, you have to still post the scriptures, or if you are, I would hope you're explaining them. I hope you're not still, you know, posting yourself in the collar, you know, with a cross behind you. But but even if you are, no. opportunity to explain that. Now, have you been approached by any of your former parishioners or your former church members about what you're doing now? Yes. When I first, I walked away from uh, the church I was pastoring about two years ago, um, and I went kind of into isolation, so I really don't post anything on social media. Um, and the first, my first instinct was, well, I'm just going to delete all my Christian friends off of social media, you know, so that they, I don't want to, I guess, offend them or even start a controversy. Um, but I don't feel right about that, you know. It feels like I'm hiding or I'm going about it the wrong way. So now I still get calls from where are you? We need you. You you know, you kinda you disappear. You left people hanging. And so I don't know what to do. Listen, I get that. As a former minister of music, I get that. As a son of a of a devout evangelical minister, I, I totally get that. Um, there was a time I couldn't hold a conversation with my mom without it being completely about Jesus in the Bible. And I had to get her to understand that you are my mother. You and I have a relationship beyond religion. Don't forget to feed that. And so I stopped getting the Christmas cards with the scripture in it from my mama. I stopped getting, you know, that overt, you know, impression from her. Uh, you do have an opportunity to be honest. I really appreciate Rain of Love. You have people who, who indeed do both. And there was a time when I still went to church, barefoot in my African clothes, sat on the organ, sat on the piano, still participated, still were part of that, that system, uh, and then went home to my beliefs. Um, until and that until I felt what you that's said. where I'm at. 
but until I started experiencing conviction. Now, I don't know what type of Christian you are. I don't know what your denomination is, but I'm going to assume that you're familiar with the word conviction. Um, that's that yes. quote-unquote religious guilt that you're supposed to feel about not doing something or doing something that should line up either with the Bible or, or, or what your church folks think the Bible is saying or should mean. Because it's really about what people think, not what the Bible thinks. It's really about what people think. So in that yes. regard, I, I, I implore you to be honest. If they call you, be honest. And, and, hey, I'm okay. You know, I, all is a blessing. They, they say praise God. I say all you know, and sometimes I see all as a blessing and I get silent, which is shocking to me that these religious folks in all their religiosity can't even see and embrace peace and blessing. All is a blessing. You know, I answer my phone sometimes, divine peace and blessing. Uh, what? Hello? Th- this religious folks now. So that shows you that they're more religious than they are spiritual. They're about you conforming to a particular look. And particularly as a minister of music, I can relate to this. You're, you're viewed as a soldier. So we need you here to preach. We need you here to keep order. We need you here to maintain, you know, this system, not just warm a pew. And so that energy is often placed on you. Often, and it's not appropriate. It's almost like a judgment if you will. So you must be able to respond. You must find your word. Even if you have to practice it by yourself in the quiet of your room in front of a mirror with a candle going, I am okay. God is with me. <laughs> okay. I might say God is with me and I am God, but that might upset your church folks. <laughs> but you just say God is with me. You know, and then share your truth. Now, me and my sister Lapata, we've gone through deleting people, blocking numbers, cutting cutting people off. You know, and there is a certain degree of separation. I'm just removing myself from your noise. I'm just removing myself from that chatter. You know that, that often happens in, in social media. But then there is that other side of it that you express, uh, am I somehow being deceptive? Am I somehow trying to hide? I don't even want to present, you know that scripture, um, don't even present the look of, what is it? Um, don't even look like you enter in sin? Yes, I know what you're saying. Yes, for, for somebody who claims to be able to quote scripture, I didn't do very well just then. Um <laughs> Shun, shun the very appearance of ungodliness. That's it. Yeah. Shun the very appearance of ungodliness. So again, once humans take on that, it's really about shunning the very appearance of what your church folks think is ungodly. What your church folks think is out of step. So you've got to find your word. You've got to be able to say, I'm okay. God is with me. I know what I'm doing. Uh, you know, I, I'm studying whatever. I'm researching. You've got to be able to say that. I remember me and my mom had one of the biggest blow-ups we've ever had. Um, I don't know, back in 97, maybe. Um, and, and she sort of laughed and cried at the same time as we were getting into this conversation about the idea that I was 
well, are you worshiping rocks now? And she was laughing, but at the same time crying because, you know, in her Christian mind, oh, man, I didn't fall, fell off. I'm, I'm in witchcraft and occultism. And, you know, my son is in some kind of mortal danger. But at the same time, she laughed because she heard herself. She heard what she was asking me out loud, and it didn't make any sense. It, it didn't line up with what is true and, and, and what's spiritual. And, and, and that's also part of the battle that you and, and your circle and your peer group is having. Because if you don't have the word, you can't explain it. You can't explain it to other people. You can't teach it to other people. And so they're, therefore, they can easily rest back on ego. And I mean biblical ego. Which is the notion that I, well I can just quote quote the scripture because I find that a lot of Christian folks can't talk for themselves. If you say explain that to me in your own language, in your own words, what does that scripture mean? In your own words, the average Christian can't. They can't because they haven't processed it that deep. It's not understanding for them. It's understanding. It's knowing it enough that if I'm called on it in church, I can repeat it. I can regurgitate it. I can sing that hymn. I know when we stand up and I know when we sit down. That's not the same thing as how we apply things in the real world, how it shows up in your real demonstration, particularly when people ain't looking. How Christian are you when people ain't watching? How Christian are you when you at work, you know, and, and it's a whole box of new supplies available how much of it makes it back to your house as opposed to staying where it's supposed to stay. That's how I look at religion. That's how I look at belief. How does your religion show up when you see me in public? Do you shun me? Do you treat me with favor? Do you treat me with bias? That's, that's how I look at how any religion actually shows up on people. So if they can't handle your well, exploratory spiritual path right now, then they don't know Jesus. Jesus was in the wilderness for 40 days and 40 nights. Jesus wandered from town to town, nation to nation, culture to culture. The Bible says that. So they don't know Jesus if they're questioning your journey right now, that they don't understand Jesus at all. And so that's where you've got to get in, in your understanding of this. So that when you do have to respond to them, you have the right word. Because there's certain things I can say that would create a fight, <laughs> that would create a fight, that would create an argument. I know because I was raised up in that environment. I know what those triggers are. I know what those words are. And I found myself early on sugarcoating my words, even for my mother. I knew that if I said certain things, my mother would respond. I knew that if I said certain things a certain way, my mother would either hit me back with that Bible or, or, or hit me back with the sort of stereotypical Christian response. So I even had to learn, relearn how I communicated that with my mother, how I said certain things with my mother, especially if I wanted her to get it, if I wanted her to think outside the box, put her in a position to think about it for herself, and then come back and just happen to meet me where I was. 
So if you don't have your language together, Jay, beloved, Brother White, forgive me, Pastor White, if you don't have your words together, you can't expect other people to do to do it, especially as the shepherd, because you will forever be the shepherd. Even if you're no longer a Christian, you, will for, you, you can never outrun ministry now. In fact, your new path now is your new ministry, just like mine. So, so those Christians who are now confused, who are now in the gap, who are now out there in the middle, that's our obligation. Those people are our vocation. Those are the people who are right here in the room, just like you and me. That is now your ministry. And so, yeah, now you have to explain why you walked away from the church. It ain't good enough for you to keep that to yourself. You know, people like to divorce sometimes. They don't want nobody to know about the divorce. They don't want nobody to talk about the divorce. They just want to go their way and act like nothing ever happened. And that's impossible to do. <laughs> your family, your in-laws, your community, what happened? Well, well, he's over here and you over there. At some point, you have to explain it. At some point, you have to give words to it. So find your words, Brother White. Find your understanding. And you, what you might be experiencing right now is a sign that, and not being clear doesn't mean that you're wrong. Not mean, being clear doesn't mean, oh, I made a mistake. Maybe I should run back to the church. No, it means you ain't did your homework yet. You need to read more books. When I first left the church, I left it by going directly into it. Meaning, when I first walked away from the church, I studied the Bible like it meant my life. <laughs> I wanted to make sense of what was being said. I begged God, talked directly to God, showed himself to me to make all this stuff make sense to me. And that was my walk. He walked me right into the spirit realm. Anytime I prayed that prayer, he took me back to me, Jay. He, he pointed at me, Jay. He held a mirror up to my face. Jay, which meant, look at you. Who are you? Where did you come from? Who are your people? How did your people get here? That's how I got back to Africa, trying to clarify my connection to Christianity, trying to clarify my understanding of what was being said in that magical book. That's how I got clarity. And then I could say it back to my mama. Then I could speak it to my sister. Then I could speak it to my to my dad or, or to whoever. And, and I found over the years that the hardest conflict is with the stranger. The hardest conflict is with the people in the church who didn't ne necessarily have no intimate relationship with you, but feel like in social media, they, they, it's their right to say whatever they want to. It's their right to call you out over, didn't you used to preach and, you know, they feel like those are going to be your, your, your hardest demons because they demons because they don't know you. They don't know your walk, but the demon knows your walk through the spirit realm. So they know where to challenge you at. So it's going to be that stranger that's going to come through and call you out on being a perpetrator, call you out on walking a double life, could call you out on, well, what you doing? So you've got to find your language. So practice on the people closest to you first. Start with your mama if you have a relationship with her. Start with your dad, your sister, your brother, your best friend. And you say, listen, I'm not sure what I understand right now. I'm not sure what I believe right now. I'm not sure who I should commit to. 
right now. There are people in this chat room that are in that position. But then while you're in that position, do your work. Don't get stuck in that position. Now, don't spend the next 20 years in the middle. you got to choose. As a minister, that calling is on you. You've got to choose. And so now, even if it is that beautiful mix, uh, that, that beloved uh, reign of love, be clear about the mixture. Be clear about what you're doing. Martha Martinez, um, they can throw somebody out of the church because it's man's church, not God's church. <laughs> okay, the, the book may come as you are, but the pastor decides who's coming, and the pastor decides on how you come. You know, one pastor might say, oh, the short dress is okay, Sister Martinez. The, the next pastor might say, well, Sister Martinez, that dress ain't long enough. You got to cover up them ankles. You got to cover up them knees. You know, that's where man gets involved. That's where humanity gets involved. And, and, and I see, not you, Martha, but the people, the, 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 the challengers. I see you. I see you said, oh, but the scriptures say, but, but didn't you still interpret in the scripture by your own understanding? You still interpret the scripture by leaning into your own inner standing. So that's how they can throw you out of church. That's how they can judge you. That's how they can, can label you. Um, my sister walked out of church on behalf of her son. That's what she's trying to express in the chat. She walked on behalf of her son to further her own spirit life. Now, I appreciate her not sharing the details because I know what the details are. <laughs> I know what the details are, and because the party didn't share it, I'm not going to either. I'm not going to violate her or her son's privacy. But, you know, when they question your child and who your child is, um, and, and that's okay with you, you might be in a cult. You might now not be walking in, in, in spirituality. You might now be walking in religiosity. Religiosity. And Jay, be sure you're not operating in religiosity. Because the people who are coming at you aren't. You're walking now in spirit. So surrender to spirit. Surrender to God. God don't need a book. God don't need a middleman. God don't need an intercessory. God don't need an overseer. God don't need a moderator. And if you press God, God will speak to you directly. God will show you directly w- without any extra help. And I assure you, he's going he's to point you back to you. <laughs> not to a particular book, not to a particular doctrine. So are all the indigenous people in the world going to hell, by the way? That's a question I used to ask myself as a kid. So, so, they, so Christianity hasn't reached them, so they're going to hell, right? <laughs> it's, it's just crazy when you think about it in, in those terms. Yeah, you um, uh, can be the light says she likes to look at it in terms of how does religion help you and the people around you, not your church friends, because your church friends often have talk and conversation. That's about it. That's about it. They, they're not really there to help you, to pull you out, to get you through the storm, to take you, you know, on to the next level. I'll pray for you. That's what I used to get. Well, you'll be in my prayers. <laughs> That's how I used to get. <laughs> That's how I used to get. 
So um, stand in your truth, beloved. Stand in your truth. Um, I like Ray Hagan's um, beloved. Um, I tried yeah, to I listen to, to him a lot. Yeah. I was trying to read the comment without referring to him as his old name because he's changed his name to Holistic Fitness. So I still got the old name stuck on my tongue. So that's what I, why I was hesitating just then. Um, but yeah, I like, uh, I've been listening to Ray Hagen for, I don't know, 15 years maybe. Um, so he is a strong voice. He's a powerful voice. But there are other voices out there. Yeah, my sister thank did you, the right thing. Thank you. Thank you for your questions and your comments. Listen, uh, I'm going to keep your mic open. We're in overflow. So uh, 612-254, your mic's open. So any time that you all want to comment, you can because you stayed online. Uh, even Kiona, she might be working at home. She dropped. And once you drop past like 145, Sister Standard Time, uh, the system won't let you call back in. So those who are on the phone lines, you are blessed. And you are my co-host till till we end the show. Just jump in uh, politely if you have a question, comment, or request at any moment. Uh, can be the light. I love your name. You can be and you are the light, beloved. Um, she, she's suggesting that everything be said with love and respect. People actually want help. But she says she believes that if you deliver information appropriately with love and compassion, people will listen. And I agree with that. And if not listen, at least hear you. At least hear you. See, I can't hear you once you say a certain thing. Once you cross a certain line, I can't hear you. Even in my most evolved, mature, spiritual state, and some of you see me as higher and where I really am. But, but wherever I really am, truthfully and, and organically, on my spirit level, on my spirit walk, um, I'm very careful about how and what I hear and what I, I digest and take in. And everybody is. We all have certain triggers. There are certain religious triggers that will make me hot. I can get to you in under five seconds. And, and, it, and it don't hurt to be you know, I shared, Jay, uh, just a few, I'm not sure if that was Jay or my other caller that I just heard, but but I shared a few weeks ago an incident I had in the Uber. I got in the Uber, the guy had his gospel, modern gospel, by the way, a gospel that I, as a former minister of music, <laughs> wouldn't even, you know, wouldn't even support uh, that worldly gospel. He had that gospel going on, and I, I got in the car, and I said, okay. You know, as someone who's been trained in customer service, who's worked the front desk, uh, I know that there's certain things that you should and should not do in that environment. And your car, as an Uber driver, is your desk. That's your, you are the front office. And he had his gospel going. Let me respond to the door. Let me wash my hands. When I got in that Uber, 
mind for me in terms of what's gospel and what's worldly music. And I say worldly music because Jay and, and, and people like that understand what I mean. Okay. So he had his music going. It was louder than I felt it should have been, particularly in a customer service-like setting. Even in your office, you're not going to blast your music. You're going to play it at a very low level so that you can hear it and enjoy it, but then it, that it doesn't necessarily offend or show up on your customer in a way that makes you, you know, look unprofessional in some, in some kind of way. But I was okay. For me, that was a trigger. So I, I knew now that I needed to get in the car and mind my business <laughs> and, and sort of stay in my zone and, and not talk about religion. And that's hard for somebody like me to do. Looking like this, that's hard for me to do. Um, particularly with so-called Christian folks. They want to know now, well, what does that mean? And who are you? And why are you dressed that way? That, that's typically what rises to the surface. But it didn't quite come that way. Um, I took the back door into the conversation. I, I basically sought to trick him constantly. And so I started talking about my Christian background, my evangelical Christian background, um, knowing that he would be more open to that. You know, that conversation would, you know, be good for him. I waited to the very last point to say, but now I'm a voodoo priest. And, and today I'm, I'm still operating in ministry, but from the perspective of HCR. Now, Brother White, when I tell you he changed on a dime, in any sense of Jesus was gone. Any sense of Christianity was gone in that moment. He felt justified now to be disrespectful. He felt justified now to judge me. But he was crafty about it. He didn't call me out my name. He didn't say anything overt and direct. He, too, now took the back door in. And he kind of made this comment about, well, why do you care what other people think? You know, don't don't care about other people. You know, it's a free world. You know, we can all choose, you know, what we want to choose. Now, me being a former evangelical Christian, I know what's really being said. And I know what's just beneath the surface. He might as well have said, well, you're not of God anyway. Why do you care what people say? All of y'all are going to hell. That's what he really mm-hmm. wanted to say. But because he didn't use those words, he either thought that I was too ignorant to get it, or maybe uh, uh, keeping in that, that frame of mind that I'm just not Christian enough to understand what he was saying. You know, because Christians will take that position too. Well, you're practicing voodoo because no one has ever brought the word of God to you. But no one's ever brought the word of God to you. My mama is an evangelical Christian and wrote three books. My dad may he be at peace wherever the hell he is right now. Evangelical minister. I come out of a family of well-known international televised evangelical Christian ministers. So ain't no thing that I ain't never heard the Bible. <laughs> ain't no thing that I'm unfamiliar with scripture. That's arrogant. 
this you meeting me for the very first time and you think I've never been in a church? You think I've never been exposed? But, but that's what I get, Brother White, from, from these overt Christians. And so I said, hold up, bro, wait a minute. I never said I was offended. I, I never even introduced that in the conversation. And to take it the next step further, to let him know that I understood where he was coming from, I said, and I'm not here to prophesize either. I'm not here to save your soul. I'm not here to convert people to ATR. I'm not here to convert people to voodoo. I don't care if you believe it or not. I don't care if you like it or not. I don't care if you choose it for for yourself and your family or not. That's never been my position. My position is tell the truth. That's my position, Brother White. Tell the truth. Don't bastardize well, can- other religions, other traditions, other cultural beliefs, especially if you don't know it and you can't explain it and you can't make sense of it. You know, me and my mom talked yesterday about the so-called Christian who's only written the Bible, who's only read the Bible and, and thinks that that makes them sufficient as a Christian. Has never read a dictionary, a, a, a biblical thesaurus, a biblical dictionary. Has never understood or studied Hebrew or Arabic, or even the cultural practices and nuances of that time period as they show up in the Bible. Without that, you don't know the Bible. My mama know the Bible. I've seen my mama's library. I've seen my mama study. My mama know the Bible. And it's her choice to accept it. It's her choice to believe it. She don't judge me on not accepting it, and, and, and I don't judge her on her continuing to accept it. We meet at the point of understanding. How is it showing up on the outside? How is it showing up in your life? How it's showing up in demonstration. How do you treat other people? How do you act when you're under duress? How do you act when you're back in the corner? And, and that's where what you believe shows up the most. So in my opinion, you know, the brother in the in the uh, Uber did a great disservice to Christians. And many Christians do a great disservice to Christianity in, in terms of their demonstration how you act, how you treat other people, how you stand in judgment of other people, how you overlook people. I mean, looking over your glass, how you overlook people and and look beyond. Um, We we see these groups forming elitist power structures, you know, in communities where if you're not a part of this church, if you're not a part of this group, if you're not a part of our circle, you know, you might not get housing. You might not get available resources. I know that my name is in the pot right now to get resources as they relate to the coronavirus. I know some of my community, people that I know very well and personally are a part of that process of who's going to get those offerings. And I know that I'm being overlooked right now because of who I know that I'm being overlooked right now because of who I am and, and what I represent culturally. I know that I'm being overlooked right now because I don't I'm not a member of that church. And many, many of my inner circle are members of that church. So local New Orleanians, y'all know what I'm talking about. <laughs> y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. And I'm not gonna get that grant. I'm not gonna get that offering because of your religious 
perfection. Uh, ben Evans, um, thank you so much for your question or comment. Uh, forgive me, um, callers. It sounds like I just made a left turn out of nowhere. Uh, I'm reading the chat, and Ben Evans, who I'm not familiar with, by the way, so thank you for being a new listener, a, a new participant. If you've been here before, I, I, I don't remember your name. So I don't know your personality. And what I mean by that, Ben, is I don't know to what degree you're serious about this question or not. <laughs> now, if you're serious, that's no way to handle anything. You, you, all, you all might as well be on Maury Povich and Jerry Springer. Listen, I'm not making fun. I'm being serious. That's wrong all the way around. I, I don't care if we're talking about Christianity. I don't care if y'all Hebrew Israelites. I don't care if y'all Muslims. I don't care if y'all, you know, adherents of Orisha. I'm not sure what the religion, the philosophy. I'm not sure what. Um, the only other way I can look at your comment, um, your teacher, you, you know, I'm going to assume you don't mean university teacher. Uh, even though if we are talking about university teacher, we still are talking about a matter of protocol, a matter of respect. A matter of boundaries, if you will. So the other day, your dad, your biological dad, slept with your teacher. And, and what kind of teacher? If you can input that, Ben, in the chat, what kind of teacher? Be more clear. Because, you know, my mom's a retired teacher. So I don't know if you're talking about school teacher, academic teacher, or are we talking about religion here? Are we talking about a spiritual practice here? Either way, it would be in, improper. One would be much more improper than the other. And so you slept with the teacher's daughter as some kind of response. That nothing good can come out of this on every level. I wish I had more details about exactly what you're referencing so I could be much more specific. But there's nothing good that can come out of that, Ben. There's nothing good that can come out of that. Yes? And your and your final question is, was I right or wrong? You were absolutely wrong. And it can show up again now as karmic repercussions, not just in your love and relationship path, but in other means and other arenas of your life. Seven the gentlemen, thank you so much. I really like your newest photograph. That's a great picture. Even with some shades on, I, I still can see you, beloved. <laughs> uh, that's a great photo. Uh, yes, I've studied um, hermetic science. I've studied comedic science. Um, one of my introductions, uh, Reign of Love, to comedic science is a book that I often hear on the show that people check out, and that is Secret Teachings, The Secret Teachings of the Ages by Manly P. Hall. And you can get that book for free by going to sacredtext.com. Sacred-text.com. And that book, The Secret Teachings of the Ages, can be located there. It also talks about and discuss to a great degree um, 
hermetic science, hermetic practices, hermetic symbolism, and how that made its way into the world, how it went on to show up in Christianity and other practices, including occult and non-occult-like practices. So I'm absolutely familiar with it, for sure. And yes, seven gentlemen, many people are Christian in name, and even that is easy for us to say, Christian in name, but they don't get that they're Christian in name. They don't get that they're Christian on the surface, that their religion is, is superficial. And we could be talking about Christians, we could be talking about Muslims, we can be, you know, religion is religion. People will dress in religion. People will dress in Orikis. People, I'm sorry, not Orikis, Orisha. People will dress in Orisha, which is why, if you notice, I rarely ever wear Elekis on this show. Rarely. I wear my other spiritual jewelry. I wear my other religious jewelry. I wear my other defensive jewelry. I wear my other magical jewelry. I rarely wear Elekis on this show. There's too much perpetration around Ifa. There's too much perpetration around Yoruba. There's too much perpetration about around Orisha. So I rarely wear my Elekis. Rarely wear my Elekis. I don't want people to mimic. I don't want people to copy. I don't want people to think, well, it's, it's jewelry. And, and so I can put this on at my leisure in any circumstance. It's sacred and it's only worn under certain conditions. So I'm very, very, very in how my demonstration shows up. Um, yeah, um, Keisha Smith, he, he slept, if I read it correctly, he slept with his teacher's daughter because the teacher, I'm sorry, because his father slept with the teacher's, wait a minute, I'm confused. The father slept with the teacher. With the teacher. And so he slept with the teacher's daughter. And so I understand what he's saying. I'm confused about the details. What teacher? What kind of teacher? Are we talking about your dad went to school and slept with your college teacher? Because you look older than high school to me. Your high school teacher? Are we talking about your dad slept with your imam? Or your, or your, your, your mambo? Or your Ianifa. And so in, in, in exchange, you slept with the Ianifa or, or, or your teacher's daughter. That's what I think I'm hearing, but he hasn't responded that I can see. So I'm, I'm not sure exactly. I'm not sure exactly uh, uh, what exactly is being said. I'm scrolling, and, and that's what I'm looking for now. That's what I'm trying to uh, decipher now. Um, that's the only thing that I saw, Keisha Smith. I didn't see any other post unless you're suggesting that he wrote something else that I'm not seeing. I, too, am not feeling the original. Um, yes, Papani. Out of the mouths of two or three witnesses, let every word be established. There's truth in scriptures, scriptures, not Bible. There's a difference. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. That was both true 
and shady all at the same time. But 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 I like that. Yes, and Rain is it's all about showing respect. If you expect people to respect your culture, um, then then you must respect culture. You must respect culture. Yeah, um, can be the light. Ben's question is just he never responded. So so I don't know if that's even a legitimate question. Because we don't know Ben. So I don't know if that was humor, sarcasm. I'm not sure what kind of relationship we're talking about. Um, I would like some more detail before I could really address that. I'm also not understanding how to access um, people, places, things in this uh, scream yard format. So he's using Facebook, for instance. So I can't even, like, get back to him using that that comment there. I can't click on it and then have it take me to where he is. So I don't know who, who Ben is. I'm not familiar with Ben, at least not by that name. So I'm not familiar enough to interpret um, to what degree he was serious about the question and also to what degree, um, to what context, I mean, not degree, to what context the question was being asked in. So if he doesn't respond, I can't, we, can't, we can't elaborate any further. That that will be a a cliffhanger until he comes back, I guess. Thank you for your participation, though. We certainly do appreciate you. Um, now I'm really confused. Um, who do occultism? Why are you now showing up as who do occultism and not the other username? So y'all are really trying to confuse me today. So now I don't know whether that was really hoodoo occultism or not. And if so, why are you changing your names back and forth like that, brother? That's, that's confusing. That's confusing. I'm going to move forward momentarily if I don't get a response. Uh, the last thing was Ben is off the chain, can be light. And I've gone through all the comments several times over what you all can see. Um, and I'm not seeing any other information, so so I don't know what else to say to that, um, other than maybe that was humor uh, in the moment. But but at any level, it would be inappropriate. At any level, it would be inappropriate. Um, give me your questions, your comments, callers. Otherwise, I'm going to put on some music, and I'm going to move forward. Uh, I do have other issues that I need to do and fulfill today. And I'm always grateful and appreciative of those of you who do take the time out in the middle of your day um, to be with me here on blogtalkradio.com forward slash um, the hyphen divine hyphen print. I'm also appreciative of those of you who are with me on YouTube and, of course, StreamYard, which broadcasts this to my Facebook and Periscope and to with the other um, forms that are, are, are reaching. So I'm grateful for you all. I'm, I'm thankful for your participation. I look forward to 
being here with you again on tomorrow, meeting you here again tomorrow. And until then, I'll leave you with Greek Greek Suit by Ben E. Hunter, a local musician and historian and performer, one of my favorite people here locally in town. All due respect to he and his wife and his family, uh, but he's one of my most favorite people, Ben E. Hunter. And so I'll leave you with Greek Greek Suit until next time. All is truly indeed a blessing. A dash of cayenne to the roof Gonna put on my Greek grease suit Boil a gumbo Hot and steady don't care if ready, ready. Gone free at that old cemetery. Down on Claiborne, where she's buried. Build a fire on the bayou. When a black cat scratched at two Under a full moon that's blue Chant some magic words, Kufaru A dash of cayenne to the rule Gonna put on my Greek grease suit Black top hat, black suit too, single rod that Moses through. I'm gonna get them bones out the graveyard for you. Can't see my eyes, black shades too. A dash of cayenne to the roof. Gonna put on my green, green suit. Black top hat, black suit too, same old ride that Moses threw. I'm gonna get them bones out the graveyard for you, can't see my eyes, black sheets too. Going free at the old cemetery, down on Claiborne where she's buried, a dash of cayenne. To the roof, gonna put on my Greek grease suit. Yeah, black top hat, black suit too. Same old ride that Moses threw. I'm gonna get them bones out the graveyard for you Can't see my eyes, black sheets too Gonna pray at that old cemetery Down on Claiborne where she's buried A dash of cayenne to the roof 
gonna put on my Greek, Greek suit. 